Okay, say some things. Hello. Adventure. Love. Connection. Risk. Passion. Evolution. Play. Life. The Archetypal Tarot Podcast. Provocative mythology for the 21st century. Aloha, Julianne here. This episode is all about the archetypes of the masculine and feminine in the tarot. And so this is a ginormous topic. So Sundar and I focus on how these archetypes show up in the major arcana. And as usual, the conversation ranges from the personal to the political, and of course, how we can use the mythology of the tarot for a better understanding of ourselves and our world. So check out the episode notes for my breakdown of how you can examine these in the major arcana. And then let us know what you think. Hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, send us an email. We always love hearing from you. And I hope you enjoy the show. Aloha. Ring, ring. Hey, Sandera. Hello, Julianne. <laughs> are you there? Back in Maui, you are. I am. I'm so, so happy to be home. Let me tell you. Oh, it's good to be home. Oh, boy. We've had some summer adventures, and I'm glad we can get together this fall and uh, and bring our two minds together around the tarot again. This is really nice. It is. You know, so much has changed since we, since we started this whole thing, you know, recording in your your million dollar recording suite in the closet of your apartment in San Francisco. <laughs> we're and now we're both in, the, in our beach towns and um, still connecting uh, over these archetypes, which is um, more than ever needed uh, as I see I think so too. And um, it was a, a while back when we were talking. So our subject matter today um, is incredibly broad, but um, it's the archetypes of the masculine and the feminine, um, the anima and the animus as Jung would call it. It's, it's a massively huge topic. It affects everybody. But from my view and what I, I just keep seeing things happening in the culture, in the world, the changes, the moves towards things, things happening politically, um, things happening between us, each other. And I was like, looking at this archetypally, I, I do see quite a misunderstanding and a misuse and a struggle between these two energies, right? And to to use, just simply use the words masculine and feminine, you know, for some people that can harden them into a position and harden them into a, it's only this or it's only that. A, bi um, a binary mindset. Uh, right. Mm -hmm. There will be, there will be a judgment and there will be an opinion in relationships too. And um, I wish I could find it, but there was a post a couple of months back. Um, somebody posted on Instagram and they really wanted to use some uh, new words. How do we talk about these same energies, but in a way that's not weighted with a bunch of other stuff? Um, and you and I on this podcast, pretty much since forever, I usually use the framing of agency and community, where the masculine is agency and feminine is community. Um, mm. and it's sort of, and we've we've rolled through all of the major arcana, and I think we've talked about kind of the, the natural energy of, of each of the archetypal characters and the situation in the card. So I think the exercise of thinking of other ways to think about it so you don't, you kind of have to come in under the cover a little bit. So you could think about, okay, how do we get, to frame it this way, when you talk about agency, how do we get things done? How do we accomplish? How do we move forward, right? The, the male symbol is that arrow moving forward. That's necessary. No one would argue with that. Um, 
I think much of our world is far too concentrated on the hero and that kind of achievement. Um, and then we have community, relationship, how, how, and process. So how, how is this going to be achieved and how does it, how is it in relationship with everything else, with the people, with the earth, with life, basically. And when you, when you have an understanding that the two are important, both getting accomplishing things, but also having them uh, accomplished in relationship with other people, um, how do you, you know, there's nothing bad comes from that, like good things come from that. So that's, that's the kind of languaging um, that I've been kind of working with of how do we, at the end of the day, they're dichotomies within us. They're not though. We are the integration points. And that's why I think the, the tarot cards are really a fascinating way to, to look at the integration points because within ourselves, we, we are both being and we're both doing and we have all of that within us and that the point that we see it within ourselves and how that's how we achieve peace in, in our lives is understanding that balance sometimes has to happen, but then a really beautiful integration of those two energies where they're not opposed to each other. They're in Congress with each other. So, And we have something brilliant in the tarot um, and, and, that can be any deck, by the way. You know, there's so many different manifestations of the tarot these days. Uh, we kind of stick to the, the historical ones um, mm -hmm. just to kind of speak from an archetypal lens. But there's so many wonderful different representations of uh, kinds of people and, and uh, cultures and everything that you can integrate these days. But the wealth that you have in any of these decks is just a spectrum of imagery. You get... Uh, masculine and feminine and uh, all kinds of uh, crazy and interesting and amazing characters that kind of fall in between those two extremes. Right. That, that actually belie the, like you can't pick, you know, it's, it's neither, you know, uh, the, the moon yeah, card's a good example of just beautiful messiness. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and, and so you, you, it, it it opens up the imagination and gives uh, uh, tools to the imagination to develop and, and form your own ideas around what these things mean. Um, I, w I did, when I, I did a workshop this uh, summer in Bath, England, I was super excited to uh, go over there to work with some art therapists. And I was really impacted by one of the participants in the workshop. Uh, I, I had an image of the hermit up on the from the Rider Waite deck and put it up on the big projector and just ask people, I always like to ask people, you know, what do you see in this card? How do you see this card? How do you see Led this Zeppelin. Figure? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, oh, I see uh, a woman dressed who has dressed up into this cloak and beard and garb and she's out, you know, in the, in the middle of nowhere. And I, I had never seen this card that way mm -hmm. to me. It was always like 
the Merlin, you know, the the archetypal Merlin. And, I, and it just opened up a whole world of story and possibility and imagination to me. And I said, wow, that is a fantastic way to see this card. It's just a whole other layer and a whole other perspective. So the tarot is just open to us. It may seem very, you know, archaic in some ways and, and re representing these old ways or ways people were looking and dressing in the, in these old times, but then you can take it a whole new perspective with it and say, whoa, wait, maybe there's another story here. Maybe there's another way to look at it or move within these, these frameworks. So, um, I just love that about the tarot and about, and getting people's opinions and, and insights into the imagery. Yeah. So I think we can have a lot of fun and I'm the hermit, the hermits kind of come up a, a couple times in the last few days. So I love that you mentioned that. Um, yeah. just, so it's kind of drag, right? So it's a woman in drag sort of like, yeah. leave me alone. No, I love that. There are days, you know, there are days where I'm like, can I just wear a full burqa? Can I just have the whole thing? Just like everyone leave me alone. I need to go out into the world, but I still want to be left alone, you know, or a cloak of invisibility. But, um, hmm. I, when, even though we, you and I have talked about the kind of the, the specifics throughout the first, what, two years that we did this podcast of each of the major arcana, I did a, just a layout this morning and just kind of went with my gut. I didn't want to think about it too much. And I did kind of a categorization, a sort of like, you know, the the general nature of of each one. And I, I came up with three sets of four and three sets of three. And we have, you know, the, the male-female, we have androgynous. I had kind of the dualistic dichotomy. And then I had for specifically for the hermit, I had what I was calling the masculine open, um, yeah, which is, tell me what that means. <clears throat> I had to figure out what it meant too, because I just wrote it down and I'm like, what do I mean? <laughs> um, that's the way things happen. It is, it's a relationship between the exterior and the interior. So uh. if there's a presentation and an outward movement, like that's, that's your presenting exterior, right? But each of these cards, and here's the three that I that I put um, in that sort of my faux category of the masculine open was the hermit, the fool, and the hanged man. Um, easy, very easy to see the hermit, and as you just mentioned, there's sort of like this: the woman saw basically um, an image of a woman, but dressed as an older man, and. There's no, probably no easier way to get left alone in the world is to just kind of look like that. And the hermit is very much about getting interiority, right? So right. that's look, a way to be a hermit. <laughs> it's a way to be a hermit. So wow. the same thing, the, the hanged man, um, it is to me, often you get the hanged man. Um, it might be in relationship to something you, you really want, a desire, an outward movement, um, it's, it's like, how do I get something? And then you get the hanged man and the hanged man's like, hold on there. <laughs> You're not ready. You are basically going to be in stasis for a while. And again, you on the exterior, you've got to go get this, but it's something that turns us back into our interior, moving us mm. back into our interior. The same thing I think for the fool, um, oftentimes the fool is, you know, I'm going to get this done. I'm going to go do this. An accident happens. Uh, something you did not expect, a huge surprise. You know, you're, you're off the cliff. Something's happening. So you're the agency to move forward and, and plot down a goal and get it. 
the trickster, the fool comes in, turns everything around, which it can, it's, it's a call to kind of then realize, okay, let go. Um, there's more, it's, there's more happening in life than I can plan for. And there's like, a, um, an, an openness that is required of it. And so instead mm-hmm. of just being completely focused on a goal, there's like, nope, everything's up in the cards are all up in the air. You got to just like roll with us and be open and let go. Um, and the interiority in that is that, that decision has to be, it's requiring you to go into your center and maybe kind of let go of that possible obsession with meeting your goal. You know, that's an interior job. That's not something that's done on the exterior. You really have to, um, release, you know, accept the situation and release to, in order to, to move forward. So I thought those were interesting. Absolutely. I, I enjoy looking at the image of the fool from the right away. I think it's got to be one of my favorite cards of all time. It's just, uh, and it really shows actually the, the, the opportunity you have with some of these male figures in the, in the old tarot, the men are wearing these, it was probably the, the garb of the day, but that they're wearing these beautiful flowing feminine <laughs> looking tunics, you know, with pomegranates and flowers. And you, you see that throughout the whole rider weight. And you're like, that's, that's an that's an outfit I could get behind. This is pretty cool. He's got a flower, you know. It's just fantastic. You really feel his the, that sort of feminine content in his being. So that flowing quality. I, I so I think I, I think I'm starting to grasp the open masculine. What what about the open feminine? How would you define that? The open feminine. What it well it would be kind of the reverse of that, where there's a lot of in you're kind of centered in the interior and it's kind of moving more towards the exterior. So to me, it's like the, the sun and the moon are almost opposites, right? The moon is so interior, so in your psychology, so in the psychic realm. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. It's dreamlike. There's, and those, the, the two stanchions or towers that are typically thrown in it to me are kind of like a gate. It's kind of like, okay, you're in your moon phase. Things are pretty nutty, but there is, you know, it's messy and chaotic, but there's structure that you're moving towards. So there's the exteriority of what is actually um, existing in what we would call, call the real world. So it's almost as if there's a really chaotic interior world, but those two structures are there to say, nope, we also have the masculine exterior. We have that, um, you know, like productivity maybe that you can move toward or Mm -hmm. in some cases you've moved you know productivity has driven you crazy and now you're just in that messy free-floating moony reflecting kind of thing so there are there's an openness to both and the sun Mm -hmm. um i often think of the child of happiness like yesterday i definitely had a sunday because there was structure to my day. There were things that needed to get done, but it was very happy. It was very like, I, even though adulting was required of me that day, I didn't feel the weight of that. I have to be productive. Things happened naturally. So there was an ease about the day. There was, you know, I was, I was enjoying being with friends and being in the ocean, but also Mm -hmm. I had to do a handful of things. It, to me, there was like that, that beautiful wall that's around this garden. Um, and frequently there's a child placed on a horse in the sun. Um, and so, 
you know, having fun playing while actually getting something done, the productivity as well as ease, the being, the doing this. And um, there's, there's such a forgetfulness, um, in our time that play is productive, you know, that, that we, we can actually get, make more advancement in terms of, uh, the, real soul soul thrust in our work the the meaningfulness of our work if you can let off on the on the structural goal oriented work 99% of the time and back off and create that time of absorption of of creativity of play and uh, and that wall i think really protects that uh, is showing you know let's protect that time that place to do that um, so that it can emerge outward I, I think you've made a really, really good point, and it's, um, it's germane, I would imagine, to most people to, to understand that um, for most of us, and I'm not, I, I don't know, who, who would be the person who we couldn't advise this to? Somebody who never gets anything done, stays at home, other people support them, they're non-productive, they play whatever, video games, I don't know. I mean, can we imagine what that looks like for somebody who is basically over being and not and underdoing, you know, that that kind of idea. I don't know who any of those people are, but you know, maybe that's an archetype in and of itself. But right. for, for most of us, we we are socially rewarded um and therefore we internalize it ourselves. We're rewarded for our productivity. Mm-hmm. Um and that vacations are only taken if you've worked really, really hard. You know, and I, it's it's true in Europe. It's true all over the world. But I think the United States is, has been um, has got this. You know, the Protestant work ethic. You know mm-hmm. that like mm-hmm. you start out, you're bad, and you can earn your goodness by doing this, and that's productivity. And from my perspective, and a lot of women, I think, and men, but the to put in the feminine is. I can't be happy until my whole family's happy. Um, all I'm caretaking my friends, I'm caretaking my family, and it comes that old old saw of like I need to take care of myself. It is yep. still true, and I think um, from it, everyone has a hard time understanding that until yeah. I think you need to experience it a good number of times, whether by dint of trying to do it, doing an experiment of of saying you know what. I have the structure of having completed this number of things and today is going to be nada, like literally nothing. I heard, um, there's an interview with an actress. I can't remember her name, but she's, she's older. And she said, you know what I do once a week? I have, I have a one day with no shoulds, a should free day. So no should (laughs) anything that day is I should do this. Nope. And in fact, that's her guide to not do that. But if we can create that, you know, speaking of the sun card, that nice structure, like to take a moment to go, you know what? I'm an adult. I do a lot of adulting, (laughs) which I think is just a hilarious term as a Gen Xer. I'm like, it's it's just living people. But, but to put it in that, that like the weight of responsibility and all of that. And Mm -hmm. for some people, they have to create that wall of like, I'm going to go do this. In other cases, it's literally like the world might be coming so hard against you that it almost stops you in your tracks. You're Mm -hmm. just like, okay, no, now I need to just be stopped. I need to just not do anything. I need to, you know, be in nature, all of those things. Um, 
Yeah, I um, I've been listening to the James uh, Hillman Alchemy of Psychology, which is also, by the way, very recommendable if you want another trajectory of amazing images that come out of alchemy, similar to the Tarot. There's so much to explore there in those images. But James Hillman says, you know, that that's the language of everything that we do these days in our lives. We work at our relationships. We work at our self-improvement. We, you know, it's it's the language of work has has filtered into all of our goings on, um, where where that play element really needs to be reawakened. But speaking of alchemy, which also has um, and sort of androgynous figures, I, I let's explore some of these um, androgynous figures in the tarot and and how they're showing up. So you made a list of four. I did, and I, it was just occurring to me, because we're not going to get through my whole list the way I've sort of laid them out. That will be on the show notes for this. Um, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's going to be all that useful for this conversation to go through what the male and the female, because those are pretty straightforward, pretty well known. The interesting things, I think, are in, you know, the first thing I did was like, what are the androgynous ones? And sure, visually, the characters are typically... Ones that you're like, wow, I can't tell if that's masculine or feminine. But when I pulled them very, very quickly. And so the, the, the four for what I looked at as androgynous are justice, temperance, judgment, and the world. And I'm leaving world at last because I think the world does represent, you know, the culmination of all of those things. So justice as represented frequently, it does look like a male figure. But that idea is that, the, you know, what's the justice of your day? What is the right thing to, and the operative word is do, but I want to roll into that. What's, what's the, uh, you know, what's the right thing to be right now? What am I being? How do I approach, how am I in this situation? Um, not just what I'm doing, but where is it coming from? The beingness of a situation. Um, my motivations towards something. How, how do I make sure this is the proper thing? Am I coming at it the right way? Um, and then judgment with that. And there's a, a quote, I can't find uh, who it's attributed to, but essentially it says, um, you know, you, if, you, if you don't understand, you'll judge. If you do understand, you won't be able to judge. And so there's that idea of getting a greater understanding. And it always, I think, starts with ourselves. If, if kind of a lot of what we've put into our system are just other people's ideas or things that we've been fed by culture or religion, they're not super well grounded in, you know, our, our character, our archetypes. But a greater understanding of yourself lets you connect to other people, lets you be vulnerable, um, lets you move away from judgment um, and certain spiritual paths like Buddhism is very much about letting go of judgment and of, of having an understanding. So I see mm -hmm. that both figurally, you know, the, the judgment has this androgynous angelic character. <laughs> you have masculine and feminine figures kind of popping out of their coffins or what have you. It's that like idea of resurrecting parts of you that are necessary um, having that understanding. And as you bring that out into the world, you are less likely to judge other people. Mm. If you understand, you'll empathize more. And I think that's, it's feeling harder and harder and harder with people who are, you know, we don't understand, you know, we don't have an understanding of somebody who thinks that 
racism is the best idea since sliced bread. Um, you know, where is it in their, where is it in their lives and their minds? Like wrap your head around that. Like what I frequently come to is this is somebody who's terrified. They have an existential crisis on their hands because the other scares them because they Mm. won't know who they are. They won't recognize their family or who their tribe is if bloodlines are blended together. So I can have an understanding. I can still say that's not a good way to go. It hurts other people. So there is ultimately going to be a kind of judgment of this is not the way to move forward. You know, it, it doesn't rel- relativize it, but it allows us to, to have, to understand the, the moral, you know, to have, this is immoral. It's wrong to be racist, but you see how kind of where they're coming from. So I, I haven't made them, I haven't made them a non-human because if I make them non-human, they're making other people non-human and and then nothing happens, you know, that's Mm -hmm. bad, but action needs to be taken. Clear, decisive action needs to be taken. And, and that kind of was bringing up, um, the image of the strength figure for me. Uh, how interesting is it that it's, uh, uh, almost always seen as a, a feminine figure on this card called strength where in, you know, in a culture where strength is, is, or force has normally been awarded to the, to the male sex. And here, here we have a feminine figure almost always with, with picture with an animal of some kind of lion usually. Um, what is the significance of this figure uh, and and it seems to be coming up in a lot of conversations, and it's a very powerful image for a lot of people. It is, and it's it's uh, well, strength is frequently um, you know, the cards anyway is patience as well. It's fortitude. Frequently, the card is called fortitude because it is it's a holding steady, it's a holding fast. It's not just like I will conquer. It's not the chariot card where you're just like moving forward, moving fast. This one's more like I'll. A long sustained practice. It's fortitude. It's an understanding. It's a. It's a. To me, it's a very earthy card. It's a very animal related. It's as you said, frequently has an animal in it. But there's that. It's not intellectual, and it's not about conquering. You know, there's no dominance necessarily um, for dominance sake. It's more like a long, slow, patient. The, the inner strength. There's something very interior about the strength card, um, where, you know, if you if you're going to conquer, that's a lot of action, and then the end of action. This one is the strength is built up over time. It's a it's it's gaining understanding. It's slower, um, but it's still a strength. That's why I think it's a, a perfect kind of balance to looking at something that's heroic like the chariot. Um, where there's, it's a very showy kind of, uh, movement out into the world, which is necessary too. And I think that's, what's kind of brilliant about all these archetypes is, um, we need all of them. We need to have an understanding. It's helpful to have an understanding of all of them. One is not more important than the other. 
Hey there, it's Sundara from Story Through Stone and the Archetypal Tarot Podcast. I am excited to announce that Story Through Stone, my very own reflection card reading business, is now offering online readings. That means no matter where you live in the world, you can submit a question and I will personally do a reading for you using my deck of billion-year-old art stone imagery. For this introductory offer, readings are only $30. Visit storythroughstone.org slash readings, submit your question, and easily pay via PayPal. Find your story within the Story of Stone. Link on the podcast page. As much as we want to toss out the hero at times, we need to understand the hero and recognize it as a part of ourselves and still a big part of the culture. And if you can dialogue with it, understand it, see it, know it's that it's one of many images then you're gonna um then you're it's not like you're pushing it down into the shadow where it's gonna re-emerge angry right <laughs> well and i think to a degree it kind of has uh the the idea that someone's gonna come save us you know when we're in kind of a child position and i mean what's more understandable than that i mean who hasn't had a time in their life where they just wanted to put their arms up and be like somebody save me like i'm exhausted i don't know what to do i'm lost um, and I, and I, I actually do see the rise of Trump as being very much like, well, here's a strong man. He will come and save us. He's our hero. Um, he can do no wrong. And we're seeing the effects of that, you know, when you become blinded by something heroic and I'm not anti-hero by any means. Um, I think it's just a difficult position to be in when we project the hero mm -hmm. out and we don't find that um, actions that we take on our own are heroic. You know, mm -hmm. we are the everyday heroes. It doesn't have to simply be uh, egoic. Right. The ego is an interesting correlation. And um, Michael Mead on one of his recent podcasts mentioned, um, you know, don't throw out the ego because the, the ego is the uh, is holding the keys to the ashram. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. That was the a part great. Of us that can keep all these facts together and get up in the morning and say, I am. I am going to do this today. That is that is a necessary part to all of us in all of our days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had, um, I don't know, I think most people have gone through a, a stage in their lives where they were studying somebody who was like, get rid of the ego and all of that. Um, and I, I said, years and years ago, I said to a friend, you know, something along the lines of, you know, well, that's just the ego and kind of, she's like, wait, what are you going to, you, you can't, you can't just get rid of that. You're going to spend your whole yeah. life getting rid of it. Just not, it's, it's a part of you. It's stuck on you. And I was, I was like, but, but, but yeah. And then life goes on and you realize, ah, yeah, actually there is, you know, it is a part of who we are, but it's not it who we are. <laughs> not the only, not the only layer here. And, uh, yeah, that's good to remember while entering any yoga studio. <laughs> right, or any meeting, or and, and that the idea that um, if somebody has um, and has been living with a specific gender in, in their mind, um, you're not just that. <laughs> you're both. Right. And we have an understanding. And I think, by and large, for many women, it is easier to embrace embrace masculine, you know, because, you know, the right to vote, you know, feminism saying, hey, we're equal. Um, we've wanted, we've gone after having jobs and voting and trying to have it all and all of those things. Like it's been a desire for many women for a really long time. Um, we, we don't have an, a specific analog that 
for that for men. And just really, really understand that like we haven't made a space for men to say, you know what, I really want to be vulnerable. I really want to have this beingness, all of the feminine qualities that that men actually can imbue do have. We haven't really created a space and we haven't, you know, we there's been to me anyway, there's been an expectation that if like if you want it, go get it. Well, we kind of have to make a space for it too. And there is plenty of space in the Tarot. The imagery is remarkable. I think if you see the set of the kings, for instance, of the Rider Waite, Mm -hmm. you see these different representations. You've got your king of swords, uh, but you also have your king of cups, who's surrounded by fluidity, water, emotion. Um, You've got our king of pentacles, who's covered in grapes, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So... Um, and then equally on, on the on the queen side, you've got your your queen of pentacles who feels very earth mother. Uh, but then you also have your queen of wands who looks like she's gonna you know start a movement of some kind. You know she she's got this fiery hair and and uh, light uh, you know bright uh, interested looking eyes. And then you've got, um, and then you have the queen of swords, you know, she's, she's going to run a company and, um, she's going to really fight for, um, lots of different things. So you can see all kinds of spectrums in all of these figures. So there's room there for play and for new stories, new storytelling, just convincing everyone that you can indeed pick up the tarot. It's going to be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Do we have to convince anybody of that at this point? I don't know. I was talking with friends yesterday about um, about the podcast and about how we're looking at the, you know, a mythopoetic view and that there, there are archetypal stories contained within them and, and how it's just, for me anyway, it's just much more, uh, it's a richer topic. It's a richer analog than just simply the hero's journey. Um, you know, yes. can you imagine the whole world, everyone's a hero. Who's going to be the sidekick? Who's going to be the helper? You know, if we all think we're the, we're the hero. Um, we, you know, it's a great model for helping our individuation, but it, it just strikes me that what the world is asking us is to work together, um, is to really see in the other and have um, struggle for that understanding. Just to bring it to like an individual relationship, you have a relationship with your child or your your spouse or a friend or a parent. Um, your own your own energetic space could be the one thing that will make a difference in that relationship. Um, mm. I know we frequently go to, well, I will do this and I will have a conversation or all the, all the doing right. All of the, like, I will do this, I will do that, and uh, everything that comes out of that. There's a tip for tat or, you know, a push and a pull. The simple uh, simple remembrance of how are you being, and that could be mm-hmm. making sure that you're really taking care of yourself or you, you understand and accept the difficulties or the things that are happening from that, and then being grateful for everything that you're able to be grateful for at that moment, that, and then when you step back into a conscious relationship with that person, everything can change. I had, I definitely witnessed that. Um, I have quite frequently in my life, but this last year, I have those changes in myself or rather that the changes were created because I had realizations. I gave space and beingness to something, some acceptance 
um, that I found that I didn't frequently didn't have to do anything. I, I changed, I opened up, um, acknowledged what was there and frequently didn't have to do anything. The beingness was enough, that feminine, the, the feminine interiority and compassion can change a situation. Um, so there's frequently there isn't doing, or you will then better understand what you need to do, or they will understand what they need. Um, and that's, I think, where real remembrance of, of how all this works, how it's integrated. Well, I think that presents some really good, nice guiding ways forward to think about these things. And, uh, you know, it's interesting as you speak, I, um, thinking of an interesting practice one could do with the tarot directly um, to work out your own inner uh, beliefs around the other. So I think it could be an interesting practice if you chose, if you went through the cards and this is one circumstance where I wouldn't do it randomly. I, I think I would do it by looking through, but mm -hmm. pick a card that you think matches most how you see yourself or your perspective in the question that you want to ask. Mm -hmm. And then choose a card out of the tarot that really to you feels like the other that you want to like if you were to sit down and have a conversation with the other have one of those courageous conversations one of those brave or difficult conversations you can do it we encourage it in reality of the external reality of course but here's a, a safe way to do it in your own world is to flesh out your beliefs about the other you can actually host a dialogue between yourself or part of yourself that presents as uh, how you like uh, and and pitch it up against and with an engaging conversation with that, what that other might be. Uh, and I think that could prove some interesting results. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, what, what you're talking about is active imagination. You're using yeah. those characters and that, yeah, absolutely, processes like that will... Um, I think almost undoubtedly there will be a shift, there will be a change. Um, and I'm frequently surprised at just how what I thought was a problem wasn't a problem anymore. <laughs> like, how did that happen? Um, and frequently, I mean, this could be small things, but it, it can be sort of what I had perceived as being a, a, a big intractable, intractable problem. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, temperance, uh, for me, temperance and the hermit are really interesting ones to kind of play with because to, the, the temperance um, is frequently looked at as sort of uh, angelic and feminine, but to me it really is both. And it is, it is a character that has its foot both on the earth and, and in the water. Um, and I like the idea of the drag hermit. Can we make that, can we make that the, the funny thing drag for the show? Hermit. Drag hermit. <laughs> Drag hermit and exploration of gender in the tarot. <laughs> <laughs> Write it down. Write it down. Uh, well, that's fantastic. Uh, I, I love that uh, this exploration kind of led to some practices. And um, we're always interested in hearing from our listeners uh, your thoughts, feelings, opinions on this topic, what to add. And, um, hey, if you do any of those practices, let us know. Absolutely. And if you have some uh, language that you like to use around these, these inextricably related yet very different modalities of life um, that aren't masculine and feminine, that don't just kind of put that sort of divisive charge on them, um, let us know on a post, send us an email or 
reply to something and help us out because I think the more more we look at things and we use that language, the more people are going to be open to do it because we all understand that community is really, really important. I think community provides so much meaning for us. And, you know, the doing of things is, it's almost like it's a given, but when we understand that when our relationships are healthy, when we're actively sharing with people and they're sharing with us, that really provides just such a beautiful part of our life and our happiness. And we can't live without it. Um, and simply isolating because we don't know how to connect and we don't know how to collaborate. Um, just, you know, it's, it's leading to a lot of depression and the higher rates of suicide and things like that. So how do we language that to get more people to be open to go, well, yeah, that's good. Let's do that. I really like when things work. (laughs) Something as simple as that. It's nice when things work, right? Oh yeah. Uh, Anyway, wonderful. I am so happy you and I got to record another podcast together and uh, we have some awesome guests coming up, but you and I will be back in on things. So until next time, love you, Sundara, and I love our audience. Mm. Sending so much aloha. Bye. We know you could have done something else with the last 40-ish minutes of your life, but we are so glad that you spent it with us. Be sure to check out Sundara's new online readings at storythroughstone.org slash readings. And if you would like to become one of our most favorite people in the whole world, become a patron. Just visit tiny.cc slash tarot, and you too could be like these awesome humans, Sarah, Geneva, Richard, Hilary, Kat, Peter, Rash, Christine, Allie, and Yvonne. Thank you guys. Your support makes all of this happen, and you make us smile every day. The show is produced by Both and Media. And our theme music is by The Lunar Group. Until next time, aloha.